0: You are listening to Suno. What's happening in Kashmir? That's the question everybody is asking. Murtaza Shibli, a writer and journalist, has sent us this ground report on the violence and unrest in the valley following the encounter killing of Burhan Muzaffar Vani. Vani was a 22-year-old militant commander with Hijbal Mujahideen. In this narrative, he explains the social media reach Wani had among Kashmiri youth the record turnout for his memorial service, the lives lost since the evening of July 8, the pellet gun injuries that have blinded hundreds of youth, the Azadi slogans that have incessantly rent the air, and importantly, the attack on his parental home in Bridge Bihara after he wrote an opinion piece criticizing Chief Minister Mehbooba Mufti. Listen to this Suno cast by Murtaza Shibli. Hello, my name is Murtaza Shibli. I'm a Kashmiri writer and a journalist currently in Kashmir on the Indian side of the border. This is my short blog, giving you an overview about the ongoing unrest in Kashmir, what's happening on the ground, with some details about my own terrifying experience with the state terrorism that continues to consume the lives of common Kashmiris. The current unrest in Kashmir has entered into the 20th day. The unrest started on the evening of 8th of July when the police and the army claimed to have killed a well-known militant commander, Burhan Vani, apparently in an encounter. Twenty-two-year-old Burhan Vani took up the gun against the Indian state after he and his brother had a terrifying experience. They were beaten and humiliated by the police force in front of several people. For the last four years, of his life as a militant, he had grown famous by posting his photographs and videos on social media platforms, mainly on the Facebook. He attracted a steady flowing of Kashmiri youth who admired his defiance and resistance against a system that is cardinally oppressive and destructive. Although the Indian government designated him as a terrorist, he was seen as a freedom fighter by the majority of Kashmiris. That proved beyond any doubt when the news of his death triggered a massive outpour of grief and simultaneous protest demonstrations across the Kashmir valley. Although the protests started as a reaction against the killing of the commander, it soon got converted into anti-India demonstrations. Millions of people across Kashmir converged on roads and public places to hold public demonstrations praising the slain commander Burhan as a hero and a martyr, while at the same time demanding Azadi, a local term denoting end of the Indian rule in the state. A demand for Azadi has been very strong in Kashmir for at least the last 30 years, although the demand is as old as the creation of India and Pakistan itself. Coming back to Burhan, According to eyewitness accounts, more than half a million people attended Burhan Vani's funeral, the largest ever memorial service in the history of Kashmir. This was very surprising for everybody, from the officials who thought him as a small-time thug to the pro-freedom Hurriyat leaders who were unable to gauge his popularity. The official response to the public demonstrations was, as usual, very brutal. The state employed disproportionate and lethal force against angry but unarmed civilians. The police and the paramilitary Central Reserve Police Force, CRPF, used live ammunition to kill people. They targeted anyone and everyone who dared to come out in protest on the streets. Even the people, including women and children, who were en route to the funeral, were also attacked with ruthless force. The use of wanton and indiscriminate force claimed more than 25 civilian lives in the first three days of the uprising. The dead included women and children. In addition, hundreds of people were injured during the same time period. Many were maimed with lifelong and debilitating injuries. The worst state response to the agitating youth, who are armed with nothing more than few stones, came in the form of pellet guns. They are officially designated as non-lethal weapons, but the pellet guns have no doubt killed fewer people, but they have destroyed the lives of hundreds of youth and forever. The pellet guns fire hundreds of projectiles made out of lead that spread through the body, maiming their targets. Since the paramilitary forces directly aim at the faces of the protesters and fire from a close range, the pellets cause grave injuries to the face and the head. So far, more than 200 people, mainly the youth, have lost their vision completely or partially. Hundreds more will have to live with shattered or amputated limbs, spinal injuries, uh, leaving them immobile from the waist down, for the rest of their lives. The massive repression has called more outrage provoking further violent demonstrations and of course more oppressive violent reprisals from the state. This has locked the whole of Kashmir into an increasing cycle of violence punctuated by intermittent curfews, unending public demonstrations, deaths and funerals that then incite more public outrage. So far, more than 50 civilians, most of them teenagers, have been killed. More than 3,000 have been injured so far. In addition, around 60 people are seriously injured and put on ventilators across different hospitals in Srinagar, the capital city. A large number of these severely injured may not be able to survive. The state enacted oppression does not end here. The police and the paramilitary forces have attacked ambulances carrying the injured, causing more deaths, injuring ambulance drivers and causing damage to the ambulances. The forces have also stopped the doctors and the paramedical staff from performing their duties. They have also attacked hospitals, damaged property as well as injuring people inside these hospitals. Amid this massive repression, the government has tried its best to stem the flow of information and communication. They have snapped mobile, phone, and internet communications, as well as later banning newspapers for five days. The government has also tried to stifle its criticism by threatening and harassing those journalists and writers who are seen as problematic. The problematic In official parlance means anyone who dares to write with courage and honestly to represent the facts on the ground. Personally, I also became a victim of this state terrorism. Barely a day after I wrote an opinion piece exposing the hypocrisy of the Chief Minister Mahbubah Murti in a leading newspaper Kashmir Reader, my parental house was attacked. Like the cowboy raiders in old Hollywood films, an unruly mob of Jammu and Kashmir police and Central Reserve police force CRPR attacked our locality. Armed with rifles, tear gas shells, pellet guns and stones, they attacked the three houses in our compound. Hurling stones and using batons, they broke more than two dozen windows and window glasses of my houses. Although they laid a siege for nearly three hours, the actual terror operation lasted about 45 minutes. While enacting this terror operation, the security forces kept making howling noises to scare us. They also used profane language to demoralize us in front of our women and elders. The police also tried to break into our house but gave up after several failed attempts as we had bolted our heavy metal doors from inside. However, this does not stop them from issuing threats while we remained locked inside. This terror operation scared the hell out of almost 300 residents of our locality in Bijbiara, the hometown of the Chief Minister Mahbuba Mufti. Among the terrified included women, children and elderly, including my parents who are in their mid-seventies. Three days later, an old friend of mine in the locality told me that since the incident, his two daughters aged two and four are unable to sleep properly as they often get up at night screaming that the army is coming. Such is the state of life in Kashmir today and it's quite depressing and hopeless. This is Murtaza Shibli in Bejbihara, Kashmir.